this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire, not Wayne's World. This episode, we're going to talk everything local. It's all about Denver because we have a special guest on the show that knows Denver really well. Welcome, Bree Davies. Hi. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I feel like we could just make this whole episode about like people, people message us all the time and they want to know about my skincare routine. No. Um, they want to know like about Denver and like where to go in Denver and I'm coming to Denver and I'm like, we just need to do an entire podcast episode about like things to do in Denver. So it's kind of nice to have you on because tell the audience what you do and your podcast. Sure. So I'm the host of CityCast Denver. We're a brand new daily news podcast. Uh, We're starting out slowly with every other day, but the first week of April, we will be Monday through Friday, 15 minutes every morning, Um, a little bit of news. So you'll get some headlines, some things to talk about throughout the day. And then we'll do a longer conversation with somebody related to a topic in Denver. It could be anything from upcoming city council legislation to a restaurant opening or closing to a festival coming to town to an art opening. I mean, or to a historical event. So any really anything related to Denver. And the idea is to connect with Denverites, whether you've been here, like I say, six months or six generations and find something interesting for you to walk away with from the podcast every day that says like, oh, I learned something new about Denver. Yeah. And truly, even if you don't live here, it's a really good listen. I've listened to all your episodes and you you have a, just taking a step back for a second, you have a background in journalism. Yes. Yes. So tell the listeners kind of a little bit more about you and your career. Sure. Your evolution. Yes. It's been, I know I have a, my friend Jesse says I have a face for radio is what she says about herself. And I think that about myself too, sometimes, cause I didn't think I would end up in this space. I've been a print journalist for over a decade and a half. And um, I've written for the Denver post used to have a blog called reverb, which was music coverage turned into the no. I did show reviews for them in the mid two thousands. I love the no. Yeah, I do too. They do. <laughs> it's great. It's arts and enter- I'm an arts and entertainment journalist is really where I started. And okay, so great. Yeah. That's the community I know the best. Um, I grew up in the arts community here in Denver. My parents are avid supporters of local artists, musicians, um, visual artists. Like I just grew up going to art openings and all sorts of things. So I've just been involved. I was in, <laughs> excuse me, I was in bands. Um, I've hosted and produced and organized several music and art festivals throughout the city. So that's really where my um, my heart really started in journalism was covering that community and being a part of that community. So I really got my footing with Westward. I think around 2010, I started writing for them. And uh, I wrote a weekly, was like a co- an online column called Reality Bites. And it started out oh, as I a column. Oh, I love that. Reality yeah. Bites. And for listeners who aren't in Denver, the Westward is kind of like the local... It's our alternative weekly papers. So yes. alternative weekly papers used to be prolific. I mean, they were everywhere across the country. Oh my God. Ours Everybody was like, had their own. I grew up in Arizona and I everyone in mm. Arizona is like probably screaming at me, but I just remember in college picking it up. And I loved it because I had like had the, the best new times for sure. We had the new times and there was another one. Anyway, I'm sure there were. Tons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just remember this columnist who would do kind of like a, it was like an advice column or she would just do like a funny article of the week about just some topic or restaurant. It was just hilarious. Lori Nataro, do you know her? 
Or have you like heard of her? Anyone out there yeah. who like knows Lori Nataro? She goes way back. She's she's written a ton of books, but yeah, I love that vibe. So yes, continue. Yeah. So the yeah the alt weekly vibe is definitely where I found my voice because they let me really write about whatever I wanted, and so the column started out as. Um, <laughs> My first story was about getting diarrhea in yoga class and then accidentally <laughs> telling <laughs> accidentally telling my friend's husband on Facebook, not her because they had the same picture. <laughs> I like I mean this is like 2010. I'm sorry about that time I told everyone you had diarrhea in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> and I'm sorry for repeating it again now. It's like a thing that you will tell your friend about, right? <laughs> of course you'll tell your friend. Of course you'll tell oh, your friend. Amazing. Yes. And then you what told, did her yeah. husband how did her husband respond? He didn't I, respond. I have to respond. She responded to me and was like, You sent that to my husband. And I was like, sorry. Sick. Awesome. So I wrote, That's- I just wrote a story about it. <laughs> Cause this is what Westward let me do. They just let me go free. They're like, yes, please talk about that and write crazy things but i picked up readership and i think part of it was talking about things that people experience and the column eventually sort of evolved into more uh stories about the city because i was writing about the city changing you know new development um you know things getting knocked down businesses disappearing just feelings that i was having about what was going on in the city and because of that i started getting more involved with civic issues mm-hmm. and Uh, That's kind of how I got into this niche of Denver. Like I didn't initially like set out to write about Denver because I think sometimes when you're from somewhere, you're just like, I can't wait to get out of here kind of thing. And then. Yes, for sure. Yeah. That was me like in Arizona. I was like, I'm getting out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Like I did it. I lived in New York for a year. It was fantastic experience. Um, I came back to Denver for several other reasons, but when I got back, I realized like, this is a really special place and I have a natural expertise about it. Just, you know, you grow up somewhere, you just know about it. Yeah. You know, the ins and outs. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just parlayed that into this career of advocacy and, um, education and and engaging other people in conversations about Denver. Because if there's anything that I want to do with the work that I do, it's get other people involved in civic issues, in social justice issues, in neighborhood level issues. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did with this column. And then I, I also, for the last five years, was the host for PBS 12's Sounds on 29th, which was a music and comedy show. And I got to talk to musicians again. So again, it's I've always been rooted in music, but the advocacy side and my interest in Denver just sort of became a natural thing. And eventually that came into this podcast, CityCast Denver. They were looking for a host. I was interviewing for the job, not realizing that's what I was doing, which I wish everybody could do that. If you didn't know, you know what I mean? That's like the the best thing ever. Of what you were applying for, you act more natural. You absolutely act more natural. <laughs> so city cast. Okay, so city cast. Is it for is it like a citywide thing or is this just Denver? We're part of um we're our own media company at this point. And there's we have a show in Denver and a show in Chicago. So we're specific to Denver right now. And then we're specific to Chicago has its own team and its own show that's very specific to Chicago. And eventually it will branch out to other cities as well. But right now for our coverage, it's it's we focus on Denver, but like anything in the Denver metro area, we end up covering things that I mean, unfortunately, like the shooting in Boulder, of course, we're going to talk about that because right. that impacts our community. So our focus is really we're hyper focused on Denver, but understanding that our larger metro area is 
is part of the place that we cover. Right, right. And I recent I saw the episode or listened to the episode about how you just I mean, those are the things that are just going to happen where you just went on and you were like, look, I can't cover anything else today. Um, right. There's a shooting happened that happened in Boulder and just kind of the sad situation that we have living in Colorado of a history of shootings. Right. Um, and you kind of referenced a moment at the Aurora shooting, like right after the Aurora shooting of yes. like you were on stage doing a music festival and tell the listeners like what you said, because I have a follow-up question. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I was playing um, the underground music showcase with my band night of joy and it had just happened. And someone from backstage was like, uh, hey, this happened. Can you like say something or have a moment of silence? And I was, you know, when you're thrown that information, first of all, you're thrown information about something really tragic happening. And then you're the guy with the microphone in front of a room full of people. And like I was you're expecting the- you to address it or maybe not address it. And if you don't address yeah. it, you're like, what an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. For not addressing it. Like right. and you're, I mean, this was like 2012. I, I wasn't in the space that I am now as like a person that works on civic and social issues. Like it was just me as the guy in a band who has the microphone. So you've got to say something. And I I said something like, God, what did I say? It was just like, if you could think about someone else other than yourself for a moment, that would be great. Like I would love to go back and say something else. Why? I I actually like that. And yeah, when you, when you were like, I wish I could go back and I'm really like mad that that's out there. And that like, that is what I said, because it's, it's like short and sweet. And what are you going to do? Have this huge, like talk about whatever, um, right. it, it, you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, think of others, think of someone else today. Think of, yeah. Cause it, it was just, it's weird because you don't want to make this moment about yourself, but you're inherently, but, but you know, other people your, are thinking about it. Yeah. Where you're like, all of a sudden I'm in charge of how, how this room of people is going to feel and remember this experience. That's the other thing, remembering that experience forever. Right. Right. We remember where we were when kinds yes. of things. Yeah. And that's something that you referenced in one of the yeah. recent episodes where you're like, we have so many moments where you're like, I remember when I remember this when I heard about this. Or- I remember when this happened. I remember where I was when I heard about 9-11 or whatever it is that's like tragedy that happened. And um, I like who was the guest that you had on in that episode? Because I really liked her. Her name is Lee Patterson and she is a reporter for KUNC, which is a public radio station here in Colorado. And she had spent two years um, reporting on guns in America. And so we thought, how how could we add to this conversation by maybe just contextualizing what gun violence means and looks like in Colorado? Mm -hmm. Um, Because like she said, mass shootings are this like very tiny percentage, but get a lot of coverage for obvious reasons. But throughout the year, we're also seeing gun violence happen in neighborhoods across, you know, I mean, my neighborhood that we happen to have a high instance of gun violence on the west side of Denver, and um, it doesn't get covered in the same way. It just doesn't. No. Yeah. And so we just wanted, we were trying to figure out what sort of angle can we bring to this conversation that's a little bit different mm-hmm. than what everybody else is offering so that we can add to the conversation. Right. And then you're not you know? taking some like polarizing view and we're, then we're getting right. into the weeds about gun control or is it whatever other things that we can do? Like because time, it doesn't seem like the time. No, you know? it doesn't seem like the time. And so I think she did such a good job and you did such a good job too. Thank you're a really you. good reporter. Just like vocal wise too, of just being a very clear communicator just about how this is very important to us. And let's just yes. let's just talk some facts. Because I think what gets so lost is the emotion, understandably. So yeah. we all just want to come into it with emotion. 
And it's really hard to be objective at the same time when you're in that moment. Um, and then right. we just end up not listening to each other. Right, right, right. Because it's it becomes political automatically, which I understand why it's political. Yeah, absolutely. We're dealing yeah. with legal rights of citizens, but also the legal right to live, you know, and exist so, in the world. As a journalist and with yeah. that background, how talk to us a little bit about the the ethics of journalism and how you approach really difficult topics like that when perhaps your views are really, really yeah. skewed to one way. Sure. It's um it's interesting because I have, like I said, I've been an arts reporter for a long time where politics doesn't necessarily intersect with the conversation as much as other topics. It's inherently political. Everything is political that involves human beings and art is political in itself. I think um, like for instance, uh, there was an investigation into the founder of the crush walls festival here in Denver um, over allegations of sexual assault. And I'm very close to a lot of the women that participate in the sort of street art graffiti community and scene. And, it was before we had started the show, but we did some practice runs <clears throat> and it was like, if we were going to cover this, how would we cover it? And I, you know, to me, I had to say, well, I would have to be upfront because I'm very upfront with my views on how I feel and say, I'm, I'm biased in this certain sense. Like I, I've seen this, the graffiti scene in the street art scene from the inside as being sort of an inside, but also just like a observer of it. And I just had very strong feelings about the festival itself and how it represented artists, particularly women. And so the way that I approach these stories is I just, I try to bring my honest perspective while also allowing for our guest or whoever we're having on express their opinions in a way that's not, I'm not butting heads with them. I'm giving them space to say their thing. Like today, our show is about scooters and bike share in Denver. And I'm not a huge fan. Um, <clears throat> part of it is I work within the disability community a lot just by proxy of my friend group and scooters and bike share tend to take up a lot of sidewalk space. That so much sidewalk right? space, especially downtown, especially when you're downtown like needing to get around. And if you're in a wheelchair, it's like, it's a nightmare. Just forget it, you yeah. know? And so it's an access issue, but the guests that we had on really helped me see, well, we need to give up some of this space that we have for cars. And put it towards these other, what she calls micro mobility options, like scooters and bikes. And then it would get it off the sidewalk. And then we could have that conversation about the sidewalks being safer. So uh, the approach also I take with my conversations with people is I'm learning as much as the audience and listener is learning as well. So, you know, my, my ethical stance is just be open and honest about where you are Mm. and then listen to the person that you brought on. And maybe take something from that conversation because oftentimes I am swayed after I've listened to somebody. I was just going to say, do you ever get like a different opinion after some? I mean, yeah. how can you not? Because here's the other thing: I wish like everyone had that experience at some level of just interviewing someone. And I'm probably speaking for myself too of just doing this because I'll have very strong opinions on this show that can be polarizing or just come across like I'm just this like close-minded or not close-minded, sure. but just more like I think if I were to sit down with some of the things that I criticize and have an honest conversation, I would be completely different. And I think that's true for a lot of things is when you're that face-to-face having a conversation, it's completely different. It's so much easier to quote unquote hate far away. It's hard, right. it's, you know, or it's easy to hate far away and it's hard to hate up close. And so I just think that that's a really beautiful thing and probably gives you so much, a much better perspective from a lot of big issues. Yeah. And, and that kind of brings me back. I 
forgot to mention in my like career of journalism, in 2018, I started a podcast called Hello Denver, Are You Still There? And the purpose was exactly what you're talking about. It was to get people in front of each other having conversations that are tough. Mm -hmm. Because when we have to face each other, it's so... Um, more likely that we're going to have a productive conversation about an issue than if we um, are battling it out on the internet. Okay. Like if we're just chatting back and forth. Yes. So I know I'm like <laughs> trying to raise my hand. Um, I feel like one thing that I at least feel a lot lately when we're trying to have conversations about difficult topics is this sort of push to like, don't let someone get away with, you know, thinking their incorrect thoughts. Like, don't, you know, like, don't just walk away from a topic. Don't just like, let them believe that, like, keep pushing, keep, you know, keep like having the hard conversation, sort of that narrative of like, don't look away, don't turn away. And I find that that's such a hard balance to achieve when you are recording mm -hmm. and you do want to kind of have this, you do want to have a productive conversation, but you also want to, in a, in the same way, take the opportunity to like really stand firm in what you believe. And of course, like there are some things, you know, where maybe it, the diff, your difference of opinion is either not to throw it out like the literal most hot button topic, but like abortion rights, right? Like that's something uh -huh. that we've talked about. And I can come to it by saying, listen, I don't believe that fetuses are humans. Like mm -hmm. I don't believe, you know, I don't think human rights start at conception, but I can completely understand why someone would. And I can completely understand that that is an opinion that is that is going to be at odds with mine that I cannot argue with. It's not an incorrect opinion. It is- sure you know, informed by your lived experience and your beliefs that are not fact-based and neither are mine, you know, like, because there, there is no like science. I mean, you know what I mean? So yeah. Versus something, you know, another discussion, it may be around like racism or around mm -hmm. gun rights or things where it feels like there's more hard and fast fact to say, no, this is really happening or no, this is really a problem while also creating space for someone to be like, well, I don't see it that way. Yeah. How do you approach that? It's hard. It's really hard. But what I found is when people are face to face, the other aspect you're not that you don't have is when you're online, you we're just we're just like by nature angrier for some reason. Um, but you're like, so much angrier, you know, so what I mean? much angrier. It's I don't know what it is about being behind a keyboard where you can just there's let some it psychology roll. around it. And you have all this time to like, I'm going to get my retort together and I'm going to have all totally. the facts and I'm going to have, and that's like not and real conversation. No, yeah. so I'm going to post this article and I, yeah, and also you no just, one's going to read. You don't so. have to face the person face to face and see their actual Changes humanness. Everything. Yeah. Changes everything. So it still can be hard. You still can be completely in your beliefs and the person you're talking to will stay in their beliefs. But there is, I, I found most times you still it changes just enough that you can at least empathize with that person versus online. We just don't empathize with each other. It's very difficult because the communication is so calculated. It's like, yeah. I'm going to say this calculated. in person. You can't do that. No, totally. you know, you're having a back and forth conversation. You can't sit and think or like, I mean, I guess you're like, you could hold on, I'm going to go get some links. Yeah. I'm going to go like, you could sit there and delete, Google delete, articles, delete, delete, I suppose. Delete. But I didn't mean to say it that way. 
Right. right. And like, right. I do think in some ways that can be beneficial because you do have the the ability to really think through what you're going to say instead of just reacting. However, complete, yeah, on the flip side, like the authenticity of that, sometimes giving yourself time just makes you react even, you know, it's like you just add fuel to the fire. Totally. Totally. It can totally blow up in your face too. I mean, I did a show once about uh, food insecurity and the sort of older notion of food banks versus food sovereignty and um, food access. And my mother-in-law was in the audience and she worked for the Salvation Army decades earlier. And she had a very different and distinct view of the good of food banks. And my guests were really not, they didn't like the way that food banks were run and they felt like that there was no freedom of choice. And and it got really he- got really heated and my mother-in-law started crying at my show my live show i felt so bad but it helped us have a conversation afterward as well that i'd never had with her before i didn't know that how she felt about food insecurity or her work in that field and she'd done it for a long time but it, it wouldn't have come out if we weren't having this conversation in a a, a forum where she could get up and say hey wait i don't agree with this you know, I feel like my lesson from that would be don't invite your mother-in-law to your live shows. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's like the most genuinely sweet person too. So to see her crying at my show, I was like, I feel horrible that this is the first one she's come to. And this is what I, I can see that happening with Joy's mom. Joy, we always talk about Joy's mom being like, like Snow White. Like she's, she's the nicest. So like pure. She's the yeah. nicest and so pure. Oh, that would be so sad. <laughs> But it's glad she stuck with it though. Oh, she did. And she didn't take it personally or like, you know what I mean? We were able to have a conversation later. She's a really, really wonderful, just a really loving. And she's just, um, she has this sweet naiveness about her. That's just like, I just like people and I want to help people. And, and so it was good too, for my cynicism, I think to meet up with that, that like just sweetness to a little bit, but it was just one of those moments where I was like, why am I doing this show? (laughs) Making my mother-in-law like, cry in, in front of everybody. Yeah. What the <laughs> So I know a lot of your work too, and you mentioned this earlier, and I'd love for you to talk about this more for our listeners of how can people be more involved in their communities? Because I love mm-hmm. this podcast for the highlight on what is going on in our communities. And I think that when we have these huge national, sometimes worldly issues, such as in the United States, gun control, abortion, you know, Mm -hmm. those big, big, passionate issues that people have strong opinions about. I think sometimes we forget that change really starts on the ground where you are. And so talk a little bit more about what people can do in their own communities that you've seen has the biggest impact. I mean, it can be something as simple as joining your neighborhood organization, So neighborhood organizations have a lot of sway and power in local politics, but it really depends on who's operating that neighborhood association and who is representing your neighborhood. Um, And they deal with things like there might be a new development coming into your neighborhood and you don't know enough about it, or you're like, oh, it's going to increase traffic, or I'm worried about who's going to be moving into my neighborhood. I mean, these kinds of conversations that can get so coded about our neighborhoods when you are the neighborhood, you're the neighbor. Where would we find that? Like, where do you go? Just like, you know, if you're in Denver, Denver neighborhood or like Denver government, like, is there? It's no, because they're, they're unofficial. They're not official government entities. They're just like non, generally they're registered as like, there's a registered neighborhood organization. So you could say, you could Google 
registered neighborhood organization Highlands or registered neighborhood organizations Barnum where I live. And it'll a bunch of a bunch of different ones might pop up. You have to do a little bit of research and see which ones are active. Capitol Hill United Neighborhoods is probably one of the biggest. And they've really mobilized to work on equity issues in and, Capitol Hill. And tell listeners like what cap where Capitol Hill is and what that means sure. to Denver. So Capitol Hill is kind of like central Denver. So it's like the Denver that's not downtown. Yeah. That's um it's around beautiful too and it's old school. I love oh, it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of such our a great oldest, neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. I think it might be our oldest, if not one of our oldest neighborhoods. It's around the Capitol. <laughs> and um so but they do a lot of they do everything from organizing like neighborhood festivals to working on legislation around their community. So that's one really easy way. Um, and again, don't be deterred if you go to a neighborhood organization meeting and you're like, oh, these aren't my people. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's probably a different one. It's kind of like AA meetings. It's like, don't yeah. go to the first, don't like link to the first one you go to. You can find different ones. <laughs> or you have to be the person that's like, I'm going to stick around and start inviting my neighbors. Oh, into that's this a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because an unfortunate thing that has happened is a lot of times neighborhood organizations are run by a small minority of the neighborhood versus the majority of who's being represented. So it might be like, like if you're a renter, for instance, not a lot of renters are part of neighborhood organizations. Mm. So their voices are never heard. But in Capitol Hill, I'm sure a huge percentage of people there are renters. So renters have different issues than homeowners. Those are the people it's that very need interesting. to be, okay. it's, you know what I mean? It's very nuanced. Another thing is you can always contact your council person's office they uh, or follow your council person. Um, you can look at, I think it's denvergov.org. You can find, or you can Google council person, this neighborhood in Denver, and it'll show up. And a lot of um, council people will post through their social media if they're working on something like a food drive, or if there's what's called a visioning process happening for your neighborhood. Like we're going to get a new park. What do you want it to be? What do you oh, want to be is, in that park? I know this sounds so dumb, but I'm like so excited that I actually have like things to Google. Cause like, I know in the past we've talked about this like briefly on the podcast of like getting involved in your neighborhood or getting involved. You know, we've talked right. more about like, go, you know, signing up for your, uh, or buy from your local farmer, like doing things that are local or getting involved in like activities or, you know, street fairs or whatever. But this is so much different than anything that I've ever been like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Like, duh. Yeah. Well, it can be. But I learned. You know, you can be like, where do I start? Yeah. I have no idea. Like, And it's a little intimidating, to be honest. Sure. Absolutely. Especially if you're new to the city, too. And you're like, I don't even know where to begin. Or you're somebody that's lived here forever. And you're like, I've never been involved with my neighborhood. I have no idea who my neighbors are. And that's the other thing that's really simple is talking to your neighbors. Um, If you want to get involved with neighborhood issues, just introducing yourself to your neighbor, which seems really simple, but it can be really hard when we're kind of in our own worlds. For sure. Every day we work with our own people. We have our friends, we have our family, and that doesn't necessarily mean the person next door, but establishing those connections with our neighbors really helps us understand what are our neighborhood issues? Talk to your neighbor. You know, they they might be the person that's been on the block for 30 years and they know everything. They're a great person to know. Or there's someone that's even newer to the neighborhood than you are. And they're like, thanks for reaching out to me. I didn't feel like I knew anybody in the neighborhood. So that's how I've gotten really involved with my neighborhood. Okay. So get on the registered neighborhood organizations. 
Yeah, just you can just Google registered neighborhood organization in your neighborhood and okay. it'll come up. Look up your council person for your city. Mm-hmm. And then I just follow them on social media. Most of them are pretty active. Yeah. And they do things, everything from like, here's the vaccination sites that are coming to our community. Um, or there's a, you know, there's a neighborhood fair happening if we're looking for volunteers. Another great thing, volunteer. Any cause that you're interested in, you can Google. Like I always take this advice from my friend Erin Stereo, who's a DJ. And when she wanted to learn how to DJ, she <laughs> just Googled like how to DJ Denver. And she ended up at KGNU, which is our oldest run community radio station. And now she's a DJ full-time. This is what she does for a living. And she also teaches other people and young people, especially how to DJ for radio, for shows, but she just Googled how to DJ Denver. That's so so great. And then it's really, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, you can, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think of an issue that, you know, if you want to get involved with affordable housing issues, Denver, um, organization, and there's organizations that always need people. They need donations. They need people mm-hmm. to show up. They need volunteers. I mean, any organization that's working with um, like the immigrant community always can use volunteers. Anything that you find interesting or like you feel driven to be a part of, you can just Google that thing, Denver volunteer. You're bound to find a Facebook group or an organization that could use your work and your time. And I think like a lot of people are held back from doing that because they think, oh, I don't have this skills or I don't know enough about it, right. especially joining, you know, council groups or anything like that, or reaching out to your council person. First of all, your local politicians dream of hearing from you. So, right. As long as you're not yelling at them because they get yelled at a lot. Fair. They dream of hearing from you because you want to get involved. They right. absolutely, you know, that's what they, they will drop everything they're doing. If you're like their constituency is what they they're That's who they work for. And they know that. And a really good council person says, what, what are you, what are you facing on your block that I don't know. Right. About. And the more local that person is, it's the easier it is to, first of all, get like, find out who they are. And also to really get your voice heard, because I think a lot of people do talk themselves out of talking absolutely, to, or, you know, taking that next step to get involved. And I think it's just so crucial to, re- to realize that as an adult in the community, you, your input is valuable, no matter what your background is. And in fact, if you're coming to the table from a different place than everyone else, that's actually the most valuable position. Absolutely. And something that's really simple you can do, and these can be really dry, but you can Google Denver City Council meetings. And on Mondays, the agendas are out there. There's actually a lot of activists and advocates who are already piecing through the legislation that city council is looking at. Um, if you start following along, there's a group from called From Allies to Abolitionists, and um, they're pretty active on Facebook, and they're really great about breaking down legislation that's coming up, um, how you can put in input if you're, you know... If you're your council person, you can reach out to your council person and say, this thing is coming up for a vote and this is how I feel about it. I hope that you would consider my voice. Something as simple as that. But like you can you can follow along. You can watch city council meetings now from Zoom. It's super accessible. Yeah, that's such a good point. Because like, here's the thing. And this is just me being ignorant. Where I'm like, oh, my gosh, I should have just Googled this stuff. But I, okay. I consider like kind of being involved on like being in my neighborhood's Facebook group, which some council members yes. are in there. Yep. But I never stopped to think to be like, why don't I just take a step further and see what else is going on and, and get more involved and go to their page. And then I think the other 
piece that kind of turned me off just from like neighborhood stuff was that neighborhood app. Isn't there an app next oh, door? Next like door. Next door. I mean, I next got I signed like up. The opposite. It is so bad, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I had to delete it. It is the worst yes. of the worst. People just complain. I'm like, this is not productive. So, but the Facebook group is is nice. But I think just taking that extra step now, where I'm like, okay, now I can get more involved, and I love the idea of just being like city council meetings, even though they be, might be dry. Like, I think all of us have a Leslie a Leslie Nope inside of us that we all just want to like be more involved. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, next door, unfortunately, becomes this like weird cesspool that all internet forums it's can so become. Bad. Nope. Just yeah. people complaining or like ratting on their neighbors for weird stuff. Weird stuff and where it's like not productive. This is not at right. all productive. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, just walk out of your house and go talk to your neighbor. Like if your neighbor's playing music super loud, you don't have to go over and tell them to turn it off. You should just go over and talk to them. And then you'll maybe start to understand a little bit about who they are, what they're doing. And then when you develop a rapport with somebody, you can have those conversations, you know, like, but it's like when our first introduction is just bitching about our neighbor on, on next door, what are you doing? You're not creating Guys, a relationship. This is with the somebody. same conversation we just had about tackling difficult conversations, difficult topics. It's almost like it's all related. It's almost like just talking to people like they're human beings. It's like changes everything. Gonna really help mm-hmm. you out. I mm-hmm. had that experience with the mariachi band that lives behind me. Yeah, that practices every day. <laughs> totally, and like, and also part of that's just that's the name. You know, the neighborhood. I mean, I like, wouldn't change I, it for the world. But I also, you know, started talking to them when I was like six months pregnant. So when I walked over there one day and wasn't pregnant anymore, they were like, oh, you don't want a sleeping child. And it was like, cool. (laughs) We get each other. Yeah. You just had a conversation. Exactly. We know what's going on. You know? Yes. But yeah, Yeah, I wouldn't change the like background mariachi music, you know? Right. That's the other thing I think when we talk about neighborhood issues is like, is something really an issue or are you just making it an issue? And how can you step back from yourself and say, okay, what is really bothering me about this situation? Why am I so desiring to control something that I can't control? Like I live off of Alameda and Federal. It is nonstop racing, traffic busy area it is a busy area but i moved here so Mm -hmm. i moved into the situation and it's part of every summer of course it was like 70 degrees today people are going to be out like cinco de mayo on uh, federal yeah it's it's in uh, and so you just embrace it and you go i moved into this community this is what this community does if i want to be a part of this community i need to embrace you need to embrace and you need to adjust so it's not always you adjusting other people it's so for instance speaking of federal so everybody listening federal is like this big main street and on cinco de mayo everybody takes their um cars and like their lower riders and they just it's a parade it's down federal. And my husband used to live on federal as well. And he would, his window would face federal, face federal. And he would just sit, he would invite his best friend over and they would just drink on the porch and be like, we're not going anywhere. So let's just watch the parade. Enjoy it. It's like, instead of complaining and being like, we can't go anywhere on Cinco de Miles, like let's embrace this parade and yeah. have a great time. And so it's like, stop so, doing the whole, you doing exactly. They're having fun. They're enjoying themselves. Like lighten up. Yeah, totally. Totally. I live in East Longmont and it's a very similar thing. Like we, when we moved here, it was like, we're moving into this neighborhood, you know, we're not going to expect right. it to all of a sudden, like we are, you know, we're the young white couple with our kids mm-hmm. and our Subaru. And we're, you know, we're the only house that sub- ascribes to that demographic. And it very much is like, you know, we look around in Longmont at different neighborhoods and the, one of the biggest thing that things that keeps us in this house is knowing that like we would just be moving into an area that would be, it would be so much more homogenous 
And like, and yeah. And to be honest, like at first when we moved here, it was like, how's this going to go? And now it's like, I wouldn't, you know, it just, it does. It just like, but I, I love what you said about like, take a step back. Why are you upset about this? Is it truly an issue? Like, yeah. Is, you know, (laughs) is the dog barking and waking your kids up every single day or is, you know, whatever happening that's really like affecting you? Or are you just trying to control something? Because <laughs> as I'm thinking about this, it doesn't really harm me. But here's a personal example. And you guys can walk me through this. And I know my neighbor doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, they have about a million cars parked uh-huh. in their driveway. Probably, sure. I'm not kidding, a million. And <laughs> not exactly, the other day, no. another one pulled up and was like broken down. And so now I'm like, it's one of those things where I'm like, how many freaking cars can you have in your freaking driveway? Yeah. And Scott and I complained about it for a minute. And then I was like, is it hurting us? Does it matter? Does it matter? (laughs) No. No, it's your neighbor's vibe, whatever. You know, like I'm that neighbor. We park on our lawn. But but like, you know, cars all over, like where I'm like, oh, I can't even back out now. And I'm just like, whatever. You know what? This does not affect my daily life other than it's an eyesore. (laughs) And like next, you know, you just see your neighbor just like say, hey, what's up, man? You know, how's it going? So yeah, we had that exact situation. Come to find out our next door neighbor works at the car dealership across the street and that's why so he's, he's working on cars. on cars next thing we know yeah. my husband's sister needs a car he sells it for her to her for a great price like so good yeah just, yeah which is funny because seriously. i grew up my dad's a mechanic so growing seriously, up we had like Joy, 50 cars you should in emphasize with this situation <laughs> yeah remember see now you have to step back and go i have i was that neighbor person <laughs> yeah i am that neighbor yes. i was that neighbor my so we're all that neighbor cars you on know? the lawn yes they're, like yeah they probably complain about something we do too so it's like we're all just guilty of okay. some crap tell us a little bit more i'm gonna all the way at the beginning of the episode Kit, that was me um, okay. rewinding by the way i need to work on my sound effects it's fine some area prefer i know what rewinding is i'm old enough so yes. at least oh my gosh know. okay quick tangent i have a five-year-old and yesterday we were watching home alone which is his favorite movie of just like watching people get smashed and he goes why are they doing that move with their shoulders to get the window to go down and he was referring cranking <laughs> like cranking like, why are their the shoulders moving up and down like that and i was like oh wow Oh, no. Actually using a handle. Yeah, he like didn't even know how to describe it. He was like, yeah, just like. Yeah, those don't really exist anymore. No, if you're five, I mean, he's, you know, he barely, he's only ever been in two or three cars in his life. He barely is allowed to use the window button. Anyway, all that to say. Adorable. Uh, Tell us more about your band. I was in a band. uh, I think we started in 2009 to like 2004. 13. I was in a band called Night of Joy. Um, we we're like kind of like a heavy sludge punk band. Um, I played bass guitar. I played bass my whole life. I haven't played in many years. Um, my husband is a touring musician, sound engineer. And um, that's actually one of the cute, our little cute stories about we met because I interviewed him for a story about a music festival he was putting on. And then we just really liked we just had a nice conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, he was like, Hey, does your band want to play the show with my band? And I was like, yeah, sure. That sounds fun. That's a cute and way so, to start dating. Does yeah. your band want to hook up with my band? <laughs> yeah. So we played, we played a show together and then um, we went on like an official date to uh, an art, like an art opening. And then that, the rest was history. But, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I was in that band for like five ish years and then we broke up and I'm bands are kind of like relationships for me. So there's a lot of time between them. Like that was 
there was probably eight years or something between that band and my previous band, which was called The Hot House. Um, and I do, I love playing. I love playing music, but I also, I found that I loved even more putting on shows and like facilitating other people's art. So in 2009, I started, uh, I co-founded a music festival here called Tit Wrench, and it was all women to begin with. And then we expanded. That is a great name. Yeah. It's a great name until you realize like they can't say it on like Indie 1023. (laughs) (laughs) Now they can. They couldn't when we started. Could you go on Nine News and promote that? (laughs) Yeah. Like we, it was, and that was part of like the, you know, the push and pull of it was like, we're so, you're so edgy. that you're so edgy so that edgy. you're like we yeah. don't need we don't need you yeah yeah but it turned out to be this incredible experience over the last decade of putting on an annual festival every year that celebrates marginalized voices people that don't normally play music festivals or arts festivals i mean we had women performing for the first time in their lives in front of other people and that was the whole purpose was just like anybody can do this and it was through that experience that i also got involved with the community because i was helping create this space for people to come and and perform and it was so much fun. So I would say like, I'm a musician, but first and foremost, I'm sort of a facilitator of other people's, other people's art and like getting, I love getting people together together. To say like, you have, you've got to check this, this band out or this performance out. It's going to blow your mind, you know? Brie, I think we all need to get together and do that for podcasts in some capacity. Seriously. (laughs) New new project. So, okay, last tangent here is for listeners who are always messaging us about their favorite things in Denver. What are some places that, like, off the top of your head, are your favorite places to go at either music venues or Mm. any type of, you know, like the art exhibits, obviously? The Denver Center is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, food places, favorite ice cream. Those types of those types of things. Go tos. So my go tos like for restaurants. Um, El Noa Noah is my favorite like Denver Mexican restaurant. It's on Santa Fe and Seventh. Uh, they have the best patio too. So if you want to eat outside, which right now seems like the best safest mm-hmm. way, um, they've got a gorgeous patio. They're just they're just Denmex, you know, smothered burritos platters, all kinds of things. They're my favorite, El Noah Noah. They're across the street from Su Teatro, which is one of the oldest Chicano theaters in the country in terms of it started during the Chicano civil rights movement in America, and it's still going today. I think they've been around for 40 years. Um, And they do original plays a lot of it is about the Chicano experience in Denver, as well as global experiences for the um, Chicano and Mexicano diaspora. They do wonderful programming. I just so I just love to support them too because they're an independent theater. And then music, let's see, music venues. I love the Oriental Theater. I love the guys that run the Oriental Theater. I live right by the Oriental. I oh, love it. It's the best. It's a wonderful, yeah. it's a wonderful space. It's one of those cool venues that's not, it's an independently owned venue venue and it's large. So they yeah, can it's host a huge space. Yeah. Yeah. They can host really big acts, but they you also saw the Fleet Foxes there. It was so cool. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Like yeah, yeah you can see like really incredible cool bands. national acts. Um, but also they do a lot with the local music scene here in Denver. It's so weird because like I said, my husband's like a touring music is what he does for a living in the yeah. last year. We haven't been able to do it. I know. That. So you're like, what do we do? What is socializing? What is going out? Yeah, I know, totally. I know, like, What are my favorite venues? I don't remember. I mean, Red Rocks, everyone has to go to Red Rocks. Even <laughs> if you, if you want to see a great show, uh, if your favorite band is going, or even any band, to be quite honest, no, is untrue. Going to Red Rocks, I once to- saw Flight of the Concords at Red Rocks, and it was terrible. Why? 
that was the most my husband said that was the most packed he's ever seen oh was it too packed no i don't think that's what it was i mean like okay yes it was every show i've ever been at is packed at red rocks i don't i'm like very i mean i'm a mainstream music person but the thing that was weird about it was that it felt like it was like a skit the whole show was like a skit Oh, well, that's not a great mm. show to see. Well, at Red Rocks. Yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's you can't just see anyone. Yeah, at Red Rocks. I, it felt like yeah see a band like, that's like not a skit. Right. Yeah, yeah. Go see. I saw Bjork there. It was great. <gasps> Bjork was like the best. Coldplay. It's, we've seen everyone. What's there. your favorite show yeah. you've seen in Denver, Brie? Oh, I couldn't even. Okay. What's your favorite show that's you've seen at Red Rocks? It's so funny because I'm kind of a Red Rocks hater because I got to be so snobby about it as a reporter that I got to cover so many shows there that like, I don't want to deal with the parking and I don't oh, want to yeah. deal with the weather. Mm-hmm. And I don't, but yeah. like, I've seen Beck there a few times and he's oh, been incredible. Him. Flying Lotus was so incredible. Much. Anybody that can utilize that stage. Yeah. You know what I mean? As a piece of their show and not just show up and perform. Yeah. Who really gets it is like who gets it's the venue be- it's a beautiful space i mean it's i take so it i absolutely take it for granted i'm trying to even remember like i was trying to even remember what this last show was that i saw before the pandemic hit because it's most so of my social life is music is live music and so um the mercury cafe for instance is one of my favorite places to see shows there's small room on the first floor the jungle room i see a lot of local musicians there it's a really intimate space but then upstairs is there like more auditorium style space and it's even cooler to see stuff there because it's there's christmas lights Mm. it's just a beautiful experience and the mercury cafe has delicious food so yeah i always want to give them i spent a a new year's eve there what's the what's the denver band that always plays like probably it's not Devochka. It's Devochka. Yeah, it they played. They played New Year's Eve. Yeah, they're uh, the like perfect kind of band ago. for that. Yeah, in at Mercury Cafe, it was great. Yeah, yeah, they're the perfect kind of band so for that place. So fun. Uh, um, my other favorite restaurants, I would say, Kokoro, which is a uh, fast casual Japanese food on Colorado Boulevard. It's in a little strip mall next to a Dairy Queen. Um, which is the best is, location. Like, that's what it, you need for the best food. Some of Denver's best food is in strip malls. I feel like, like that's the, the world's thing. best. True. Is in strip malls. Yes. Like it's it's where you got it it's where you've got to do a little bit more digging to find them sometimes but kokoro has been around for probably 30 years they were doing like you know like teriyaki bowls before that was popular like they do sushi they do and it's really affordable and it's just delicious every time consistency it's perfect every time and in that same strip mall is my favorite 80s ish looking steakhouse piano bar poppies and if you want Sunday prime rib is this it's this poppies is the spot. See, I've never been to any of these. Never I'm like, in oh, my life. Oh, so I have a list of things to do. I've never even heard of like a Sunday prime rib piano bar. Like those are a lot of things. 80s. Even. 80s. It so just has this like very, it's like a, it has like an 80s fancy vibe to it, which I really love. But you can go fancy. in there and you're like Colorado, you know. Right. Colorado, Colorado doesn't have are. fancy. We, yeah, we don't do no. fancy very well. So you can walk in there wearing North Face jacket. They don't care. I mean, that's not. But fancy. the food is delicious. The lighting is dim. It's just like, it's my favorite. And the, <laughs> the food is delicious. Like if you could it's still so smoke good. indoors, it'd be very smoky. Yes. Yep. It's exactly like the vibe is, is that it's that kind of place. They serve like rice pilaf and, you know, shrimp scampi and, and stuff oh, like that. But it's so, it's so good. And it's like my family's go-to other than Racine's, which is closed. So. Oh, Racine's shut down. I know. Yeah. I love that place. Yeah. I know. That was my family's spot. For okay. What about like years. good? I mean, do you like sweet action? Like Colorado's I got some good action. kitschy, like ice cream places. 
I was, <laughs> I was on another podcast where they asked me about ice cream and I felt so bad because I was like, I love sweet action because they allow you to get a tiny like taste and you don't have like, I don't want a kid size. I just want a scoop. <laughs> just want a little scoop, but they have so many different flavors and they're all, I've always found their staff to be super nice. So nice. Yeah. And they have a cool spot. I love one of those, this it's one of those nice summertime things when you can hang out on South Broadway and just get some ice cream. South Broadway is so fun. Yeah. It's a wonderful, wonderful places around there. My friends that run Muni Information Cafe, Hope Tank. I, I love their business owners too, that like just love the city. So that's another thing too. If you want to get involved in city, go hang out at Mutiny Information Cafe. Stop into Hope Tank. Erica will tell you about some issue that she's working on currently. Like they are super involved in the community as business owners, which I think is special that we have people that that care that much. Um, but yeah, I do. I think South Broadway's gotten a little weird. Like the it's got the problem is when somewhere gets really popular, yes. it gets a little bit weird. Yep. But there's still really wonderful places on South Broadway. So yeah. What's I'm the still a music fan. venue over there? We all would go there. Well, there's too. the High Dive. Yes. Which dive. I was <laughs> I was at the opening night of the High Dive, I think in 2003. No way. Yeah. So and the cool. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's DJed. It was. Oh very, my God. It was really cool. It oh, was really, that is really so cool. cool. Yeah. It was a cool, it was a cool moment to be there. I played a lot of shows there early on when they first opened. Oh, Always. Why wasn't I friends with you back then? <laughs> Because I was, because I was a drunk and I don't drink anymore, so I'm a much nicer person. <laughs> you were too cool kicked, for me. I have been kicked out of Sputnik on the same night that I had to play at the High Dive, and they used to be owned by the same people. Yeah, so I had to kindly oh, beg them to let me in. You got a pass, Bree. That's okay. another podcast episode. <laughs> okay, I have, but now it's. Yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm going to completely. Oh, I was just going to say, I love the high dive. And I think I always want to give them props because they're an independent venue run by musicians who work really, really hard to keep that venue running and operational for all sorts of musicians, local and national to come through. So they've done wonderful. The high dive is wonderful. I feel like it also says so much about you that it's five o'clock and you're currently drinking coffee. (laughs) I'm, yeah, I'm real pregnant. So and you're, wow, <laughs> I I'm drinking decaf. I mean, I don't care about that. I, I in my opinion, but I, I'm like she she knows the, what's like up. caffeine pregnancy thing. You know that that's not what I'm commenting. It's whatever. On. I'm commenting on the fact that it's five o'clock and you're just like chugging a venti iced coffee, <laughs> chugging a huge iced coffee. Yeah, and your t-shirt t-shirt says one tough mother. Is it? Yeah, one tough. <laughs> it's so great. Like I, I love. I Brie. joke. It's the only shirt I bought that's like. If it isn't obvious I'm pregnant, here's a shirt that says like it. if you just you know? think that I've eaten a ton of tacos lately. <laughs> yeah, so many tacos. I'm not seven and a half months pregnant. Yay. But yeah, everything I want is co- coffee. Coffee was my first word. As oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. I'm like you love it. But being pregnant now, all I want is that's coffee flavored anything. That's amazing. Coffee flavored. <laughs> It's bizarre. I just feel that's a like, cool thing to crave. I wish I was the type of person yeah. who could drink coffee like all day and all night. And if I drink coffee after like noon, I just don't ever sleep again. Which I'm I'm learning that. I so I'm I have two kids, slowly. and uh, when my first when my five year old was born, it was right when um, like Chameleon cold brew first was invented. Ooh. Okay, but since I hadn't slept, oh no, I didn't read the bottle, so I didn't know it was a concentrate. So I just oh, drank oh, it. Oh, good God. Like a oh, lot of it. Goodness. For like days. And then oh no, Miles stopped sleeping. So then I would just drink more of it. 
And finally, someone came over and they're like, Claire, you're supposed to dilute this. And I was like, what? No. And they were like, you were oh, just like shooting coffee. Shooting coffee. And they're like, you're just turning. Wasn't your head buzzing? No, because I wasn't sleeping. That's, yeah, you and were just like so I tired. was just like, this is how I feel now. Like, you know, and now, and ever somebody was like, you're turning your breast milk into a latte. That's what's happening here. Like, oh, Miles just lives at Starbucks now. Yeah, it was because oh because then, then he like wasn't sleeping. And I was like, "What's the deal?" So then I he wasn't sleeping, so I was drinking more. So then he wasn't sleeping, so oh, I was drinking more, and it just like created this horrible feedback. Loop. You created a whole. No. I'm just cycle. warning you. Oh, that is a good read thing. the no label. One Concentrate told me that that could happen. So I'm just telling you as someone no, that's who good to know. is maybe at I didn't risk think of about that transfer into a latte yeah. one day. Also, I have another story about caffeine that I'll save for another day where basically I drank an entire giant cup of just straight espresso on my first day at work at a new job. But I bet you really impressed everybody. No, I just didn't. I didn't understand the coffee maker. And I just kept pushing the espresso button. And I just thought it was like almost out because it only gave me like a little drop every time. And so I just kept pushing it. Oh, so you had like 10 espressos. And then I was just sitting there. Right. But it's like the first day at work. And so everyone's coming over to meet me. And I was like, everyone's like, hi, Claire. It couldn't be any worse. I thought I was going to say that story, but I didn't save it. That's the story. I want to tell mine though. Mine was at a CrossFit competition. I ate, this was forever ago. I feel like Claire was there. Someone gave me a bag of espresso beans. Uh, like chocolate covered espresso beans. And they're like, just, you know, and I started eating them kind of like they were chocolate covered almonds. And it was a big mistake. Like I was just like, like my brain was buzzing. I had so much caffeine in me. It was not a good look. Cause you also don't think like, oh, it's, I mean, can you get this? You don't, yeah, you don't like, I'm like, no, No, yes, yes, you can. Yes, you you sure can. can. And it really hurts. It was like that part of like caffeine high where it just feels, it's like a point of no return. And you're like, I just have to ride this out. And it like feels really bad. (laughs) You can't do it. Yeah, you're like, I feel like garbage. And this is the worst place to feel like garbage. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh my God. Okay. So I have one. One last very unrelated question. And he, this is, let me tell you the, the tiny backstory in this. I have sure. Heather, who we talk about on the podcast a lot because she's like my only friend that I see that's not Joy. And I really think you and Heather would get along because anyway, oh. you just would. And so we're doing a friend match, gonna, friend match. So no, so I just was texting her a little bit on the side and I was like, we're interviewing this woman. You would really like her. And she said, will you ask her if she thinks what's her answer to this question? Are hot dogs a sandwich? Oh, well, I will. Hmm. I will say I'm a hot dog person and I know you're not supposed to eat hot dogs when you're pregnant. We won't rat you out. It's okay. Okay. Cause well, I'm just rat myself At out. At some point in your past, you've eaten hot dogs and really loved them. I, I was like, I have a very lovely friend named Keith who I get to drive me to Sonic for a foot long. Wow. <laughs> that's once in a while. That's great. Keith My is life. a good friend. Have you ever been to a very good have you ever been to Mustard's Last Stand in Hot in Boulder? Of yeah. course. Oh, I love Mustard's Last of Stand. Course. That was a Miss Gem. Mustard's Last Stand near DU. Oh, their fries are good. The whole situation in there is good. I, I'm all an ambiance person and it's, it's just very like classic a hot dog stand. Yes. So and good. I lo- I do love Mustard's Last Stand. I would count it as a sandwich because it's um, meat between two pieces of bread that are just connected. Mm. So I would they just tell have her to yes. be connected. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I will also eat a hot dog from anywhere. I'll eat one from a gas station. I don't care. <laughs> Ooh, DQ even? Oh, yeah. Okay. All totally. right. Totally. I had Love. a grad school friend that would go two DQ hot dogs in one I sitting. Would- I would do Dang, that. Dang, much respect. Yeah. yeah. I also feel like Donna would love you, Brie. You have so many people in my mind where I'm like, we need, we just need to have a friend big friend right? group now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fantastic to chat with this you. This is so great. Tell everyone 
Thank where you. they can find your new podcast and just yes. all of your things. If you go to citycast.fm forward slash Denver, you can hear our podcast. You can sign up for our newsletter. We have a lovely newsletter written by my colleague, Peyton Garcia, and she's a little bit, she's got a different voice and style than I do. So the podcast is more me and the newsletter is more her, but we give different information on Denver every day. Um, so the newsletter comes out into your inbox at 6 a.m. We go live Monday through Friday, starting the first week of April. You can find CityCast Denver wherever you get your podcasts. We're on every platform, but you can also just find us online. CityCast, citycast.fm forward slash Denver will take you to all of those places. And we would love it if you would subscribe and listen because that's how podcasts get made. And we will, of course, link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you. I appreciate, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me yeah, on Yeah, this too. is great. It's all, we, this was a yeah. great conversation. I want to do this again. This was yeah. so fun to talk about Denver so good at it. and talk about how to get involved in your community and the audience will really appreciate it. So I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Thank, Thank you, you so both much. for having me. This has been wonderful. Of course. And listeners, you know where to find us. Joy and Claire. This is Joy and Claire. Just Google it. You got the Google now. Do we really need to keep saying where to find us? If you're listening. <laughs> is that how you, you want to podcast? Know. If you're listening, you, you have a new you've listener. already found us. So tell someone else about us. Please yes. share. Rate. Rating is a thing. To yes. Find us. You just need to it keep is. rating. Click the five stars. Leave a review. Even if it's a word that says great counts. We love it. It help, It's helpful. I know it's helpful. It really so. is. It really is. All right. You thank know. you guys for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>